We are in the year of yes. It's so great. I love that we've spent a whole year in the year of yes. We're getting, we're kind of, we're winding down, friends. This last little sub-series called Stepping Into Yes is about, is about taking some action steps, but we're winding it down, you know. When we get done with this just uh, pretty soon after Easter here, then we're going to move into a, uh, just a little, little announcement, by the way, a little heads up. We're going to move into a, uh, a, a new sub-series that is that is strategically designed for you to be able to invite people who aren't that used to going to church to talk about relationships. And it's called Taking the Dis Out of Dysfunction. And we're gonna look at marriage and dating and uh, parenting, and um, it's gonna be a great, really fun and helpful and practical um, series. Uh, taking the dis out of dysfunctions. Or so maybe it's gonna be putting the function back into dysfunction. I don't know, but it'll be, uh, it'll be a way for your, you know, if you're like in, embedded in a little parenting group and all the moms, whatever, you can invite those moms. And if you talk with your neighbors about life and, and raising kids and being married, or if you're single and you've got, all you guys are always talking about dating and then it, oh, we're gonna cover all those topics. Wouldn't that be fun? And the whole point is for you to have an opportunity to invite some friends that might not normally come and be able to kind of relate to some of the stuff that happens up front. So that's coming up. Right now we're talking about stepping into yes. This stepping into yes is, um, uh, it's what faith is about. Faith is stepping into yes. We've talked about the year of yes. We've talked about discovering your yes, finding your yes. But we had to talk about faith because faith is going to be required for us to actually step into our yes, to actually do something about it. Remember, yes is about the hearing what God has put in our hearts and then living it out, going for it, having the guts to go live it out and do something about it. Well, the faith part is taking that step. Remember the definition of faith that Ben uh, put together for us a couple weeks ago that Art confirmed last week. Faith is trusting in the character of God and stepping into his promises, stepping out into his promises, trusting in the character of God. I know who God is. I'm going to trust that. And so because of who God is, I can step out into what he's promised. I can step out into the things that, that uh, God has called me to, into the things that God says will happen, then I know they're going to happen. And if, if uh, God says I'm going to be protected, then I'm going to be protected. Faith is trusting in the character of God and stepping out into his promises. This stepping out piece is super huge. We couldn't do the Finding Your Yes series without doing some sort of a sub-series on stepping out into your yes, taking that first step, because that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the scary moment is. That's where the big deal is, because we get to this place where we're like, okay, I think I've heard some yeses in my life about the husband I want to be, about the person I want to be in, in the world, about the, the risks that I want to take, the sacrifices I want to make, the stuff I want to go for for God. Like, I've heard some yeses, but man, just sort of, Stepping out into that, dramatic, scary. Both Ben and Art shared engagement stories, and I didn't want to share my engagement story with you because not everybody here is married, and you're like, really, seriously, another engagement story? But if I was going to share my engagement story with you, though, it would be about this idea that I was freaked out to pull the trigger for 12 months. Hello, men, anybody give me an amen in the house? I mean... I mean, it was buying a ring was one thing, talking about it was one thing, being all in love was one thing, you know, kissy face, that's one. But pulling the trigger, getting down on one knee, that was a step that was incredibly uh, far for me to make. That was a big deal. That was, I mean, it was a year. And then finally when it came time and I had the, uh, the, the ring and then like, okay, we're gonna do it on this day. Like then I still couldn't pull it off. And then I, and when I finally did know that it was gonna happen that day, like I was sick to my stomach. Like I've not been that ill ever, like out of anxiety and. <laughs> Turns out it was for no good reason. It was the most best decision I've ever made. 
but it would be about pulling the trigger. I mean, the better, the better metaphor for me, I mean, if, so we won't talk about any more about engagement stories. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> skydiving was a huge deal. Skydiving, I went skydiving. You know that step that's taken? Anybody here been skydiving? Raise your hand if you've been skydiving, right? It's wild because there's this, there's really only three parts of skydiving and only one of them matters, right? One of them is being in the airplane and the other one is, is, is falling. But the one that matters, taking the step. I mean, it takes incredible courage to take that step. Now, up to that point in my life when I went skydiving, I had done, um, you know, I'd done the high dive as a kid, little kid, right? You done the high dive thing as a kid. That's always a little terrifying, but you know, you remember that feeling? <laughs> did the high dive as a kid, did cliff jumping off little rocks at lakes, you know, then we graduated up to bridges. We would, I was a water skier when I was in high school with my buddies and we'd take our boat all around California and find bridges to go jump off of. We'd even measure them so that we knew like what our records were and stuff like that. We'd jump off the girders underneath and then we graduated to jumping off the, the roadway and any children in here, that's illegal and dangerous, don't do it. And um, awesome. And, uh, but so I graduated all this stuff. So, you know, and every time, every new thing, experience you had like that was some sort of a step that, that took in a tremendous amount of courage because you had to sort of trust in, well, I've done 75 feet and this is 82 feet. Like I can do this and probably not die. You know, like we, this can probably happen. And, uh, and every time it took a little, more, a little more courage to step off the edge. Um, when we went skydiving, it was a whole different ball game because there'd been some, some sort of graduated levels from the high dive to the cliff jumping to the bridge jumping. But when you go on an airplane and they take you up off, I mean, who knew? It's way up there, <laughs> right? I mean, like I should have had that figured out. I should have thought this through. They get up there, I'm like, how high are we going? He's like 14,000 feet. Right? So the difference between 30 feet and 60 feet and 82 feet, like 82 feet was my record. This is 82 feet plus 13,918, you know? Like a whole new ball game. And I didn't think I was going to be able to pull it off. I mean, the truth was, this is something I wanted to do, something I've been bragging about, something these, I went with 18 year old uh, kids in my youth group when I was a youth pastor. That's the problem right there, hanging out with 18 year olds, funnel lobe, not fully developed. So, and then maybe that was the problem because when I jumped off bridges, I was younger and I didn't, you know, like they wouldn't rent me a car, but, you know, they let me jump off a bridge. But later when I went to go jump out of an airplane, I had a little more sense in my head. But man, the courage that it would take to take that first step, I wasn't sure I wasn't going to be able to do it. And we get up there, you know, there's no door on the airplane and you're like, that's because you're going to leave it, you know, it's, <laughs> and you get to the, the door and fortunately, I did, the, I did the free fall. I wanted a free fall, right? I didn't want to do the tethered thing because I wanted the feeling of free falling. The tethered thing is where the parachute, you know, um, gets pulled as soon as you step out the door. So it's basically a Disneyland ride. You know, you just float down. I wanted like the screaming toward the earth ride, which means I had to get attached to a guy, a jump master. And uh, so we strapped all in and did that whole deal. And um, so we're going to free fall and then he's going to pull the, the cord, right? So we get to the edge, and I mean, you know, you're in an airplane, the door's open, right? It's, it's surreal. And everything up to that point was just talking. This was the deal. And I look out there, and he goes, are you ready? And I'm thinking, there is no way I can. He goes, okay, three, and he throws me out of the airplane. <laughs> 
And that was probably the only way I could have done it is the guy that actually took me out. Have you seen, by the way, did you see the story of the guy who, uh, who was on that giant rope swing they're doing now, like in Arches National Park or somewhere in Utah, they got this huge rope swing that they've, been, that they've set up where people are jumping off a rock and they're like going down a thing. This guy was uh, on CNN, got famous because he was out there with his girlfriend 45 minutes with her like, I don't think I can do it. And everybody's chanting, you know, okay, three, two, one. She's like, oh, I can't do it. And this went on for 45 minutes. Does some of our lives feel that way in some of the yeses that we've made before God? Okay, I'm gonna do this. And our friends are like, we're gonna do this. Let's do this. It's like three, two, one. Next week, I'm gonna do this. (laughs) And uh, so finally, the the reason this is famous on CNN uh, was because, you, you know what happened? Finally, he just goes, okay, boom, throws her off, pushes her on the thing. And as she's going down, you hear her screaming, I'm going to break up with you. (laughs) No kidding. And he's laying on the top of the rock laughing like, I think I just got dumped. In all fairness to him, actually, what we didn't know from that story was, we found out later, was that she had said, I don't know that I'm going to be able to take the step. It'll probably take too much courage. You may have to just push me out of the deal. (laughs) Guys, don't ever believe your wife when she says, (laughs) stepping is going to be absolutely the hardest part, taking the step. We need the courage. We need the faith to step out into our yeses. So faith, and this is what I want to talk about then this morning, is faith is going to be absolutely necessary because we're going to need the courage to take the step that is required to move into our yeses. And that place can be terrifying because that place is a place of risk and change. Faith is trusting in the character of God and stepping out into his promises. Hebrews 11 is the passage that we've been in. And I don't know if we looked at this verse yet from either of the other two sermons. I don't think we have. But Hebrews 11.6 says, you're going to need faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You're going to need faith. You're going to need this courage to take the step. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists... And that he's going to reward people who earnestly seek him. Right? right. I mean, what we're talking about is, man, I want my yeses. I want to live for God. I want to be God's man. I want to be God's woman. Well, it's going to take faith. It's going to take courage to step out into that. And it's going to take that faith to do that because you're not going to do the hard thing. You're not going to take the risk. You're not going to step out into the unknown. You're not going to live a self-denying way in self-denying lifestyle. You're not going to do any of that stuff unless you believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so without faith, it's going to be impossible to please God. So we need faith. So this morning, I want to talk more about how it is that we grow in faith. And the reason I got to this place was the next person in line when we're talking about these people in Hebrews chapter 11 is Jacob. We're in Hebrews chapter 11. It is sort of the hall of fame of faith. It's by faith, all these Old Testament saints, all these followers of God, of Yahweh, all of these guys did, and women did all these, these things for God by faith. And... Um, and so in Hebrews 11:21, Jacob comes up and it's this really odd little verse. And it says this, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. That's his son. So it's his grandkids. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed his grandkids, his grandsons, and he worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Isn't that a funny little verse? 
Jacob, when he was dying, when he was old, infirm, he blessed each of his grandsons, and then he worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. He's leaning on his staff because like Ben, he was infirm. That's just a way of saying he was old. The very end of his life, what he was doing was blessing his grandkids and worshiping God. Now, the reason I bring this up to you, because we want to talk about growing in faith, is this is actually the end of the story. And it's told in Genesis 48. You can go read it today, tonight, tomorrow morning in your quiet time. But his journey wasn't so stellar at the beginning of his life, at the beginning of his journey with God. His story was a disaster, friends. And I want to say that because I think every one of you can relate to that reality. Because not completely. Nobody's story is ever a total disaster. But don't you feel like sometimes your story has just been a disaster? We do not have it together. We're not the great people of faith. We don't have all the strength and the courage that we need. And we've been made mistakes, one mistake after another. His story, when you go read the story of Jacob, and we go, really, Jacob? I thought he was a hero. That's, I thought he was like this. Well, it wasn't completely a disaster. He did some good stuff. And God, okay, parenthetical thought. Maybe this is all you need today. God took a dude who kept making mistakes and still accomplished his will. Amen. And that's why he's seen as a hero uh, uh, in, in, our, in our mindset is because God kept using his craziness and his dysfunction and still made, God made his way happen. But by the end of his life, he was a person who was living by faith. But the beginning of his life, he was sort of a disaster. He came out of the womb. You remember this story that he was a twin. He came out, his dad was Isaac and his mom was Rebecca. And he came out of the womb, grabbing onto the heel of his twin brother. His twin brother was born first. And back then that was everything, right? The firstborn son had all these rights of inheritance. And so he was in the womb and somehow instinctively he thought, I can't let this guy get ahead of me. And he came out holding onto his heel like he was pulling the other baby back in, trying to be born first. And then he spent the rest of his life trying to put himself first. His life, his whole story, tricking his dad for his inheritance and, his, and uh, getting the blessing out of his dad, stealing the birthright from his brother, being jealous of his brother, letting his mom manipulate him. He had weird mom issues. All of that stuff, his story was a disaster. It was characterized by control and self-will. But by the end... By faith, he ended well. And this text, this funny little text in verse 21 of Hebrews 11, tells us that he was a worshiper, he was reverent, he was faithful, he had walked with God for this entire rest of his life, and he had preserved the faith and God's promises so much that he was passing that on to his grandkids. And at the very end of his life, the thing that characterized him was he said that God was the thing of greatest value and he was going to pass that legacy on. He ended well. He ended by faith. He was a faithful person, it says at the end. So he was then characterized by devotion and trust in God's will. Not characterized by control and self-will, but by devotion and trust in God's will. This is his faith grew is my point. It's super fascinating that here's the, here's the hall of fame about faith. Jacob's life was a disaster, but it chooses to include Jacob and says, by the end, he saw that God was the thing of greatest value and believed in God's promises and told his grandsons, you hang on to God's promises. It's what it's all about. His faith grew, friends, from the disaster to the end. His faith grew. How? How? This is a dramatic change. This is a guy who spent his whole life living for himself, controlling his surroundings, manipulating people around him, 
to a guy who ended up worshiping God, knowing God, knowing God's power, living in a way that demonstrated he was all about God and God's will. How does that happen? How does he, how did he grow in faith? Well, Jacob's transformation into a man of faith came when he finally decided that he would wrestle with God. His transformation into a man of faith came when he finally decided to wrestle with God. Now, I want to read a story about him that you probably know. If you've read the Old Testament, you'll recognize it. In other words, he changed into a man of faith. His faith grew when he decided to struggle with God, get real, face God, deal with God. Then his faith grew. I want to look at the story of wrestling. It's in Genesis 32, and it's on the screen. It's a little bit long, but I think you can track with it and follow it. It's probably going to create more questions than I'm going to give you answers for this morning, and that's the nature of preaching for 30 minutes. But um, this is also, by the way, the way you read the Bible. That when you read the Bible, do you ever find that sometimes you read the Bible and you're just, i got to feel eight minutes, I'm waiting for the bus, whatever, I'm going to read the Bible, and then you realize you've got more questions than when you started? If you are not saying yes right now, you're a liar, okay? Because it's not easy to read the Bible. And so I want you to know that's why there's blank pages in the back of your Bible. And if you have an electronic Bible, you're missing out on that. But there's also other functions on your phone, like a notepad or whatever. But this is what you should do. This is free, by the way. This is no extra charge. It's not my sermon. When you read the Bible and you end up with more questions, write those questions down. And then when you go back to study the scriptures, go back and get online, get some resources, get a study Bible, and answer those questions that got raised rather than opening up a whole new can of worms. You with me on that? And that's how you study and that's how you learn stuff and stuff starts to come together. I love God's word. All right. Uh, Genesis 32. Did I say 22? 32, starting in verse 22. Here's where we we are. It said, that night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and he crossed the fort of the Jabbok. And after he'd sent them over across the stream, he also sent over his possessions. Here's the context. You can leave it there. Here's the context. Jacob left his brother, who he made so mad that they were on the outs, went away to live. It's a long story. Go read it. I wish I could tell you the whole story. It's fascinating. The time comes when he finally needs to come back into the land where his father had raised him and where his brother lived with all his brother's stuff. And he knew that his brother was probably going to kill him. And so he came back toward his brother for that engagement, knowing that it was going to be trouble. Just before this passage, because he's a manipulator and a controller, he, man, worked it out. He got all these gifts in line. He got all these goats. He had all these sheep. He had all these uh, presents. He lined them all up. He staged them so that they arrived ahead of him to his brother, one at a time, to work his brother and butter him up. He was still working it. And this is the night before his brother and his brother's army are ahead. And the next day, they're going to encounter one another. So that night, Jacob got up, took his possessions, his wives, his kids, put them over the river. And then verse 24, so then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. We find out later this man was a manifestation of God, some sort of an angel or some sort of an incarnation of God, but it was God. It, was, it, it stood for God. It was an experience of God. 
So he sent them across the river, and Jacob was alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, when this angel with this manifestation of God saw that he could not overpower Jacob, he touched the sock of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I'm not going to let you go until you you bless me. Here's Jacob wrestling with God. I'm not letting you go. And, and God said, dude, you're not letting me go. Like you're like, you are intent. You're relentless. You're holding on. You're not letting me go. He's like, I'm not letting you go. And so he's like, well, let me give you a little, like a little injury. Give you a little, like a little Ben Kearns Art Greco. Wow, that hurts. And he's like, all right, fine. I'm injured. I'm still hanging on to you. I'm still going to wrestle you. I'm still not going to let you go. And the man said, God said, so let me go. It's daybreak. Like you've had your little struggle with God. What do you want? And he goes, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. I need your way, God. I need your answers. I need your solutions. He finally got to the place where he was tired of his own control, his own solutions, his own way, his own wisdom, his own efforts. He finally got to the end. He couldn't figure out a solution except God. When he finally decided, okay, God, I'll wrestle with you, God showed up for him. The man said, what's your name? This is a powerful reality because in the Hebrew, of course, His name's Jacob, and Jacob means the manipulator, the deceiver. And God, after wrestling with him all night, said, what's your name? You know my name, God. I'm the deceiver. I'm the controller. That's who I am. You know that's who I am and who I've been my entire life. And the man said, your name will no longer be the deceiver, but it will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with people and you've overcome. Your name will no longer be the deceiver. That's not your identity. Your name will now be Israel, which means he wrestles with God. Come on. Do you love that passage? I'm preaching more than I wanted to on this particular part of it. He came to the end of his self-will. Life will do that to you, friends, won't it? There's finally a problem you can't fix. You're finally exhausted from controlling and manipulating. And that's, the, that's kind of the most negative side of the continuum, this controlling and manipulating and deceiving. But down here where the rest of us uh, up, you know, standing people live, that's just about managing and holding it together. He's finally tired. He finally can't. And life will do that to you. Anybody got a testimony about that? And at the end of his rope, God shows up and he wrestles with God. And in wrestling with God, God says, this is no longer your identity, your name. You are a new person. You are a person who wrestles with God. Now, God met him and fundamentally changed his life. Now, I gotta get to where I wanna take you practically, so I'm gonna move forward. Jacob's transformation came He's into a man of faith, came when he finally decided to wrestle with God. He finally decided to encounter God. He finally decided to connect with God. And he needed to do that because without faith, we cannot, we will not step into our yeses. Without 
The, the wrestling with God, without the faith that comes from wrestling with God, we're not going to step into our yeses. We're not going to have the courage to take that step. We need the same kind of faith to step into our yes. So in the last few minutes I have, I want to go through some things that may strike you as, a, as an application for you. I want to learn from Jacob about how to wrestle with God. If wrestling with God transforms us into people of faith, if wrestling with God gives us the faith, the strength, the trust, the belief in God that we need to step into our yeses, then we gotta grow in our faith. So I wanna learn from Jacob on how to wrestle with God. One, get alone. Get alone. He took all his stuff, put it on the other side of the river, and then he went back and he went and got alone with God. He put his family over there, his possessions over there, and he went and he finally faced God. The point about this, friends, that what he'll preach about this is that we very rarely actually deal with God. We talk about God. We talk about the things of God. We talk about the ways of God. We talk about the people of God. We very rarely go and just deal with him, face him, get alone with him, see what he says to you, see what feelings you have, see what fears come up when you're not with your possessions and your family and your priorities and your busyness and your compulsions and your addictions, by the way, as well, and your busyness. Get alone and stop and see what comes up because that's the real you now. And the real you then can face the real God. So we gotta get alone because God starts to clarify stuff. On the guys retreat we just went to, the guys came back. One of the biggest takeaways that many of them had was a little video that uh, one of the speakers showed us um, about a pastor who uh, was telling about a guy in his church who said, I don't have time to spend time with God. I'm busy and you pastors, you spend time with God. I, man, I'll pay your salary and I go to work. That's how it works, you know? And um, he didn't have time and uh, commuting into the city in Chicago and all that stuff. And, and the, anyway, the pastor challenged him. Why don't you just start spending a little bit of time alone, get a place and start spending some time with God. So it's just this testimony of how the guy finally started facing God and everybody in his life, from his wife to his secretary, to his children, talk about the transformation that happened in this guy's life who had been a churchgoer forever and finally had some powerful change happen in his life because he got alone with God. And the takeaway for many of us guys was the challenge by the guy on the video clip was get a chair and go sit in it. Like, where's your chair? Every day you go meet with God. It's this kind of fording the river of Jabbok and going over and getting alone with God. You see, we're going to need faith, friends, if we're going to step out into our yes. You're going to step into your yes. Your faith's got to grow. Where's your chair where God can face you and you can face him? That'll grow your faith. Without that, you won't have the strength. You won't have the courage to take the steps into your yes. Where do you spend time with God? Maybe that's a takeaway for you. Two, not only get alone, get a grip. Get a grip on him and don't let go. The key to this whole passage, if you don't think of anything else after uh, today about like, what was the sermon about? What was all that noise? Here's what it is. That Jacob was a guy who said, I'm not going to let you go. I'm finally going to wrestle with you. I'm going to hold on to you and I'm not going to let you go. Get a grip on him and don't let go. Jacob said, I will not let you go until I have your way, your blessing, until I have your confirmation, your affirmation. This builds our faith. It's going to help us step into our yes because when we get with God and we say, God, here's a need of mine. This is why I started our time after worship before my sermon saying, let's get in touch with what are you longing for God for? God, I need you now. What do you need from God? When you get in touch with that reality of what's in your heart, that desire that longing for God inside, and you get a hold of God and you hang on to it, it will reinforce for you that God is the object of your need. It isn't comfort, it isn't safety, it isn't security, it isn't, you know, less pain. God's the object of your need. 
And it helps you go, well, I'm gonna wait for God's solution because I'm tired of my solutions. And then when God shows up, we're strengthened to do it again the next time because we wait for him. I've got a broken relationship in my life, friends, that keeps being broken. You got any of those? You know, long I've been hanging on to God for that. And then I have sort of fallen over the edge of let's let it, all right, forget it, I guess. But this kind of stuff inspires me. And I've been hanging on to God lately. And I've been holding on that God would show up. And God keeps coming through. And there's these little pieces, these graces, these glimmers of hope. There's these moments of reconciliation. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, I could have let go of you, God. But look, you're starting to show up. That's what strengthens our faith. Because we hang on to God. We won't let go. God starts to show up. We're like, I've let go too early my whole life. I'm going to keep hanging on to God for stuff. And then it causes us to hang on to God for something else. And to hang on to God longer for the next thing. That's how it strengthens our faith. We get a grip on God and we do not let go. Is there something, some need, some longing, some brokenness? You gotta get alone, but you get a hold of God and you do not let go until you have his way, his confirmation, his strength in it, his solutions. Maybe some of you need some encouragement. Grab a hold. It'll strengthen your faith because when he starts to come through, you realize he is my solution. I can trust him for anything. Get alone. Get a grip on God. Three, live into your new name. Jacob got a new name. His name was no longer the stuff that he knew characterized him. His new name was you wrestle with God. That's your name. You're a God dude. You're a God guy. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. You're one who wrestles with God. That's your new identity, friends. As a follower of Christ, that's your identity. You are a Jesus person. Live into that name. There's all kinds of other names that your mind and our enemy and our world and your family of origin will give you. There's all kinds of labels you can carry around. I know I've, I've, I, it sounds so familiar. I know I've preached this many times. But your, your new name is, you wrestle with God. You're a God wrestler. You're a hanger on to Godder. So I'm the one who gives up. I'm the wild child. I'm the divorced one. I'm the depressed one. I'm the ex con. I'm the alcoholic. I'm the loser. I'm the financially responsible one. Come on. Let's keep naming them, right? We know what they are. It's no longer your name. And we get alone and we wrestle with God and we hang on to God's lapels. He says, what's your name? And we say things like, I'm the dysfunctional one. And he says, no, you're not. You will no longer be called the dysfunctional one. You struggle with God. That's who you are. You're a God struggler. You with me? Live into that new name, friends. 
That builds your faith to step into your yeses. Because if you live into your name, you think I wanted to get up here and talk to you today. I like, I, you know, I say I love being here and I love, it's my, I, but you know what? Still, it's just, and this is my calling. But you know what? I still live with the G's. I hope this is good. I hope this is helpful. I hope this is, I got a small group. The guys that always just encourage me about it. Like, no, keep, like, keep going. Because I go, does this do any good? Does anybody understand? Is anybody going to remember? Is it worth the time? Am I making any sense, right? I got all that. You know what? That's my, I, my like my little identity inside here is, dude, you're just a bunch of noise. But living into who I am is saying, no, 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 no. No, Jeff, I called you to study this word and to put it in a form that people are going to be able to hear it and then it's going to change lives and the kingdom's going to grow. So I got to live into that, friends. So here I am this morning. And I'm just going to do it without, you know, I mean, I'm going to go home and I'm going to beat myself up and tomorrow on my run, I'm going to listen to my sermon and go, that was terrible. (laughs) Every week, 30 years. but I'm here. You live into your name, you live into your new identity, and it strengthens your faith because when you do, you see God show up. Get alone, get a grip, live into your new name, seek to know him. Seek to know him. Jacob said, what's your name? I think I, I, in the interest of time, I stopped the rest of the story, the rest of the text. Jacob said, what's your name to the man? What's your name? The guy said, what are you asking me my name for? And it's this encounter where God's like, look at, really? That's the short version of our, you have so much to learn about me. (laughs) So we become seekers. The name meant, you know, the name then is about your identity. It's about your character. He's saying, I want to know your character. I want to know all there is to know about you, God. That will strengthen our faith to make it easier for us to step into our yeses because the more we understand about who God is, the more than we get what he's trying to do. We understand the ways of his kingdom. We understand his heart and we're willing to step into it. My neighborhood that I'm trying to love and the friendships that I'm trying to have there and the people there that some people, I don't, I don't relate to some of those people. I don't get the way they live their lives. I can't believe that some of the stuff that they're about, right? Hello, anybody, right? I'm like, I don't understand this, but my God's heart for them is so big that the more I understand about God's heart, the more I go, I I'm delighted in them too the way that you're delighted in them, God. So get to know him and it gives us the courage to step into our yeses. And last, build altars to remember. The end of the text that we didn't get to, Jacob called the place Peniel, which means the face of God. He said, because I saw God face to face and yet I didn't die he marked it by giving it a name. He probably built a little pile of rocks. We know he did that in other places. He did it at a place called Bethel. He built a little altar and he goes, this place reminds me that God showed up for me. Do you build altars in your life to remember when God shows up for you to strengthen your faith? Because then as you go through your life's journey, you bump into a pile of rocks and you're like, what's that? Oh, right. That's when God restored that relationship. And you have that moment of worship at the altar, at the pile, and you go, he can do that. God, I'm going to trust you to do it over here. Do you build altars? Do you build the rocks? Do you build the remembrances? It will strengthen your faith and give you the courage to step into your yeses because you've seen God meet you over and over. I have all these pictures in my office. You've been in my office. You see those pic- my pictures. Every one of them is an altar. Every one of them is a marker. One of them is my 23-year-old wife, 
on our honeymoon. Because one of my yeses is, I will be her man. Breaking the cycle of divorce and dysfunction in my family history. Come on now, church. I'll be that man. I see that picture. I've got a lot of dis to overcome in my function. It's an altar. I got a picture that one of my kids made me of a sunset from one of my best nights on sabbatical and across it she wrote in pen, all I've ever wanted was your heart and it's from God to me. Reminding me of what God did on my sabbatical to renew my heart and my commitment to him for the next 50 years of my life. All I've ever, God says to me, all I've ever wanted was your heart. And then I got a picture that represents all of my heart for my children, my yes in my kids. I've got a picture of one of my daughters with a circle of little African babies. I don't know if she's in Zimbabwe or somebody, and they're in a circle, and they're doing like a ring around the rosy and the joy and the laughter on her face and on the children's faces. That one of my yeses is to help my kids become kingdom, Jesus, world change followers of Christ, right? That's what I want, and that's a reminder of, for me of what my yes is. It's a marker. It's an altar. Do you make altars? Do you make markers to remind you? We need those reminders to strengthen us to step into the next yes and the next step and the next yes. Band, come up here for me. This is the international symbol for come band. <laughs> Does one of those resonate with you? Does one of those resonate with you? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know why? Because you've got to believe he exists and that he's going to reward you. He's going to come through. And so we've got to be strengthened in our faith or we'll never step out into our yeses. So do one of those resonate with you? Getting alone, getting a hold of God, living into your new identity, seeking to know all about God and his ways, building altars to remember him. You get a need to grab a hold of one of those and put it into play in your life so that you will grow in faith the way that Jacob did. He started his journey continuing a pattern of disaster and he ended as an old man who worshiped God and passed along all that truth to the next generation. He grew in faith because he wrestled with God. Stand together and we're gonna worship. Let me give you this challenge as we worship. Some of you have crossed over the Jabbok River by being here today. Do you know what I mean by that? You've set stuff aside and you've come to be alone with God. And now I implore you to get a hold of his lapel and tell him you will not let him go until you have his way, his confirmation, his affirmation, his leading, his power in your life to develop in you the faith that you need to live your yeses.